Hey, Kalia. I know you all get asked about this a lot, uh, but especially after a night like tonight, where, where is Courtney in the MVP conversation right now? Courtney is MVP. Ogumbawale for the win. Hello and welcome to another Tuesday episode of Locked On Women's Basketball. I am your host for today, Erica Lindsay Ayala. In case you missed it, Amy Audibert and Gabe Ibrahim gave us an amazing start to the week. If you want to know all of what happened in the week that was, make sure you listen to Amy Audibert and Gabe Ibrahim. They did an amazing show yesterday. Uh, Really had a, a fantastic conversation about the Dallas Wings team, which is holding on for that eighth spot. I'll get into the standings in just a minute. But thank you so much, Gabe and Amy and everyone else on the Locked On Women's Basketball um, Network for the support that you showed for the conversation that I had with Dorothy Gentry. Dorothy and I both talked about how things that happened and transpired in sports were difficult for us as black women, not only covering the sport, but living in the world. And Dorothy has a young son. She was gracious enough to talk to us the night before he um, goes into his senior year of high school. So a lot of the conversations about racial profiling, about um, police brutality, um, that is perpetuated against black bodies really hit home for both of us. And that was a pretty heavy conversation. Um, So please take a listen to that. And again, I'll get into a little bit more of what we saw after Wednesday, Thursday um, in my next episode, which will be Thursday. But for today, I am, as I usually do on Tuesday, going to recap what we saw over the weekend. We also had games on Monday because of those Thursday-Friday games that were um, postponed because of a day of reflection or days of reflection as the WNBA um, and the WNBPA, the Players Association, have agreed to call it that day of rest and reflection. Those games for Wednesday and Thursday are going to be made up on consecutive Mondays. So yesterday was the first set. We saw a great matchup between the Chicago Sky and the Indiana Fever. Some history made there. I'll get into that. And the rivalry renewed the Minnesota Lynx versus the Los Angeles Sparks. And this was a good one as well. You'll hear from some people post-game from Minnesota in particular. First thing I want to get into, big winners of the week. It's the WNBA and the WNBA players in particular, again, showing that they are way ahead of the curve when it comes to talking about social injustice, social justice, and actions we can all take right now. And so, yes, Thursday's conversation is going to be focused on voting. I did a roundup and was asking specific questions about voter education, voter suppression, and so I'm going to get into that on Thursday's show. Other big winners? Oh, man. Courtney Vandersloot. Slooty made some history, became the... Soul in sole uh, possession of the, the Chicago Sky franchise lead for assists in one game, formerly held by the one, the only, Tisha Penichero. And definitely check out 
Courtside by Lindsay Darkangelo. She did a Q&A with Tisha. That comes out every Friday. I'm going to drop the link in the show notes for you. But Tisha, great. Someone I loved watching in the, in the first years of the WNBA. And for her to have so much respect and to have a good relationship. Former teammates um, with Courtney Vandersloot. It's just amazing. And, and we saw that bit of history on Monday. Biggest losers? <sighs> Unfortunately, again, it's the injuries. We found out this week that Bria Hartley, out for the season, torn ACL in the right knee. Azaree Stevens, who had been out for Chicago, she also out for the season um, and is, has left the wobble. Unfortunately, um, we also saw Diamond DeShields for the Connecticut Sun, or excuse me, for the Chicago Sky, has left the, the wobble for personal reasons. We keep seeing these injuries. We're still without Sylvia Fowles. Uh, Sue Bird has been dealing with injury. Brianna Jones, Bree Jones, who I have loved for the Connecticut Sun, has been dealing with injury. Morgan Tuck, dealing with injury. So many injuries in this wobble season. It just really makes you wonder, <sighs> you know, the, the back-to-backs, the grind well, it really only got back-to-backs uh, this week. But the grind of every other day, such a heightened season, coming off of months of self-isolation, quarantine, lockdown in place, whatever it was called where you're from. But these athletes were not on the hardwood. They were not really uh, able to practice um, and get in that basketball practice, you know, those real basketball rep practices that they're used to. So... All of those things, you have to wonder if that is leading to injury. But again, biggest losers, the injuries. Uh, I didn't put this in biggest winners, but definitely stories to follow as we essentially are just a handful of games away from the end of the regular season. We have three teams that have already clinched a playoff spot. That is the Seattle Storm, the Los Angeles Sparks, and the Las Vegas Aces. Let me run through their records you have the Seattle Storm, 13-3, and had a little bit of a blip, dropped two games back-to-back, but seemed to be back on track. The Las Vegas Aces are riding a four-game win streak, 12-3, and and they're half-game back of the Seattle Storm. And the Los Angeles Sparks, they dropped a game last night. We'll talk about that in just a bit. Um, but they are 12-4. and and they're one full game back from the Seattle Storm. Um, this is important. As we know, the WNBA switched up their playoffs. And we don't have Eastern and Western conferences, at least not for seeding. We'll get into Eastern Western Conference in just a minute. Y'all know how I feel about that. But I'm going to let it go eventually. You know, auntie a little petty. But anyway, so it's not... Top teams from the East meet top teams from the West. No, it's top eight teams total. Overall, the top eight teams, regardless of conference, air quotes, um, are in the playoffs. And more importantly is that the top two teams get a double bye. The top uh, teams three and four get a first round bye. As it stands right now, Today being September 1st, here are the eight teams that would make the 2020 WNBA playoffs in the Wubble. I already mentioned Seattle, 
Las Vegas, Los Angeles. In that four spot, Minnesota Lynx. In five, Chicago Sky. Six, the Phoenix Mercury. As always, Phoenix just finds a way to hang on. They've had some tough losses. They've had some amazing victories. Phoenix right there in the mix. The Connecticut Sun started on that five-game losing streak, have made their way uh, into the playoff picture, and then sitting at number eight is the Dallas Wings. So overall, this is kind of what we've seen in the last several years. Now, the placement of one through eight is a little bit different, but this is what we've seen, save for, of course, the Washington Mystics. They're sitting at 10 right now. Uh, You've got the Atlanta Dream, that have really struggled since making that really mighty run in Nikki Collins' first year as a head coach. And if you haven't listened already, go listen to uh, Nikki's interview with Howard Megdal. As you know, Howard holds down Fridays, uh, and he's got a really good interview coming up this week that I'll talk about later. Uh, and then the New York Liberty continue to struggle. If it's it's looking like they will have their third consecutive um, losing season, uh And that's definitely not where the franchise wants to be. We do know that ultimately they are uh, rebuilding. Uh, So we'll have to see what happens there. That is uh, where we stand as of right now. Again, September 1st, we do have some games that are coming up. I will give that to you in our third segment. But next we will hear, uh, I'll give you the players of the Wubble, a.k.a. players of the week from last week and also I want to talk about some standout players these are players not the Courtney Vandersloots not the Asia Wilsons these are players that have just had absolutely stellar performances for their team and I want to give them some love might get into also the renewed rookie of the year conversation lots has happened since the last time I gave the way too soon rank of rookies so we'll get back into that coming up Let me tell you about, you know it, you love it, my favorite family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years, rockauto.com. We know that ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars and all kinds of vehicles make it impossible to stock up all the parts you need in just one traditional chain storefront. That's why rockauto.com has you covered. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and yes, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered right to your door. Best of all, rockauto.com prices are always reliably low and the same for professionals as they are for the do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, now we're going to go over not only the WNBA Players of the Week, and before I finished editing this week's episode, we also got Players of the Month and Rookie of the Month and Coach of the Month. So lots of awards going around the wobble. Let's go first to Players of Last Week. Drum roll. It goes to Alyssa Thomas of the Connecticut Sun and Brianna Stewart 
for the Seattle Storm. Alyssa and the Connecticut Sun split their two games last week, where Alyssa averaged 17.5 points, 10 rebounds, and 5 assists per game. The Seattle Storm went 2-0 last week and 24 points per game, 8.5 rebounds, and 3 assists per game for Stewie. So this is uh, Alyssa Thomas. This is her first Player of the Wubble, as I like to say. We also got Player of the Month, and I was a little bit confused because I was like, whoa, we just we just got Player of the Week, and these look like the Players of the Week from last week, but that's because I misread the email. Players of the Month are none other than Courtney Vandersloot. We'll, get, we'll hear from Courtney a little bit later in the show, and Asia Wilson. Courtney, of course, of the Chicago Sky, Asia Wilson of the Las Vegas Aces. Nine and five was the record for Chicago in the month of August, where Courtney Vandersloot averaged 13.6, 9.5 assists, and 1.3 steals per game to lead the Eastern Conference and win Eastern Conference Player of the Month. Asia Wilson of the Las Vegas Aces, the Aces with an 11-1 record last month, where Asia averaged 20 points, 8.3 rebounds, and 2.2 blocks per game. Congratulations to Asia. Congratulations to Courtney. Also, congratulations to Stewie and to AT. But wait, there's even more. Yes, Crystal Dangerfield, the one and only rookie of the month for the Wubble. And why is that? Because basically, we're done. We're almost done. We're almost at the end of the season. 22 games per team. Can you believe it? Well, Crystal Dangerfield with a 9-4 record for the Minnesota Lynx last month. She averaged 18 points, 3.5 assists, and 2 rebounds per game to win Rookie of the Month. I'm also going to talk about Crystal Dangerfield. And you'll you'll hear from some of her teammates a little bit later in the show. And I mentioned it already. The Las Vegas Aces with an 11-1 record during the month of August. Bill Ambeer is given Coach of the Month. You know, I haven't thought much about Coach of the Month. Um, but yeah, I'd say Bill. Why not? Let's go with Bad Boy Bill. And uh, I'll leave it at that. We'll go with Bad Boy Bill for Coach of the Month. So again, these awards, usually we get two or three of them a season. But this is a condensed season. So <sighs> listen. There was a time where, when we actually had conferences, where a certain Tina Charles won Player of the Week and Player of the Month basically every week and every month and somehow did not win Most Valuable Player. That was the year 2016, and no, I'm not over it. This is a different season, it's a different time, but I'm telling you right now, just shout out to the next had this conversation in the Slack. Um, I'm I'm uh, with Crystal Dangerfield for, for Rookie of the Year. I think a close second for me is Satu Sabali. Uh, but like I said, I'm re-recording this piece. So why don't I just let you hear what I said a little bit earlier in the day. Let's get back to it. I want to start this segment by just appreciating Rachel Bannum. Rachel Bannum was a perfect 6-6 six and six from the floor. That's four knockdown, knock them down shots from beyond the arc. 
She had three assists, but honestly, the way she was moving the ball, it felt like a lot more. The Minnesota Lynx played the Los Angeles Sparks last night, rivalry renewed, and they did not have a great first quarter. It was not great at all. Um, But they were able to pull it together, and if you hear Cheryl Reeves say it, Rachel Bannum had a lot to do with that. Uh, I, I told them, I just thought, you know, their their communication was really good. Rachel Bannon was such a huge lift for us. Uh, she gave us great momentum that we built off of. Uh, so I can't say enough about uh, her play today uh, that, that really carried us. I mean, you think about uh, we got scored on at the end of the, the quarter there going into halftime, and we turned around, flew up the floor, and executed our end-of-quarter play, and, and Rachel made a tough shot. Uh, she was big for us. You know, she, she gave us this big time boost that we fed off. You heard what Cheryl Reeve had to say about Rachel Bannum. Uh, here's what Nafisa Collier said about Rachel Bannum coming off the bench. And then we'll hear from Rachel herself. There was something different about Rachel pregame. She had extra pep in her step, uh, what have you. But what, what was different about Rachel tonight in your mind? And how big was she in this bounce back win? Yeah, she was huge. What she did for us today was um, obviously such a huge part of why we won. Um, I'm really happy for her. She did great. I don't know what was different. Her energy definitely was uh, a lot during pregame, which was really fun. And I think she uh, elevated people by doing that. She was so happy and so energetic that it brought other people up that way too. Um, So she's just really contagious with her energy. So um, I think it just carried on to the court. So uh, I know it's not your career high, career high is 20, but all around, is this the most satisfying game of your career? Um, yeah, I would say it was really fun. Um, we just all played really well, and it's always great beating L.A. I know all the Minnesota fans are pumped about that. Um, it was just a really fun game, and we battled back uh, after the first quarter. Katie, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we just all kind of band together. I mean, Cheryl was not happy. One of our timeouts, she didn't say anything, so we had to just come together and, and turn it up and change it because we were not going to go out losing like that or um, playing that way defensively. Like that's our, supposed to be our identity and we were not showing that. So we just had to turn it around, pick up the energy. Since we're talking about Minnesota, also a perfect opportunity to talk about Crystal, Crystal Dangerfield. Crystal Dangerfield was a player that Minnesota did not expect to get a lot of minutes that GM and head coach, uh, Cheryl Reeve did not expect to really get Dangerfield into the mix early on. Of course, the story now is well told that Crystal Dangerfield coming out of UConn goes in the second round. Um, Really, a lot of teams, including Minnesota, you could argue, uh, allowed Crystal Dangerfield to slip through the cracks. And my goodness, when you talk about point guards making an impact, Crystal Dangerfield is it. But you know what? Don't take my word for it. Here's what Nafisa Collier had to say about Crystal Dangerfield. This is post-game. And shout out to the CPS crew for doing a great job. Here's Nafisa Collier, post-game, reigning Rookie of the Year, talking about the potential of Crystal Dangerfield as Rookie of the Year. Having won the Rookie of the Year honor last year, what is your uh, pitch for the way Crystal Dangerfield is playing this season. Yeah, I don't know if, I mean, I don't see anyone else doing what Crystal's doing night after night. Uh, what she's doing for this team and what she's putting up on the uh, statute is just amazing. So in my mind, she's the, the clear winner. There you go. 
what what else is there to say? I don't really know. I want to also give an honorable mention to Demiris Dantes. She played over 30 minutes in the win over the Los Angeles Sparks. Let me get you that score. And so the Minnesota Lynx were able to put away the Los Angeles Sparks 96-78 in that game, though. Demiris Dantes played over 30 minutes, 17 points, 9 rebounds, almost got a double-double. She was plus 15. So other players that we absolutely have to talk about and that we will talk about coming up, Courtney Vandersloot. Courtney Vandersloot, someone that I had as a potential Rookie of the Year candidate, missed four games but has come back and had a massive game. That's right, Satsu Sabali. You heard that Dorothy J. Gentry and I talked about it last week. I think Satu deserves a little bit more respect than she's getting in Rookie of the Year conversations. That coming up next. We all know, and I think it's fair to critique mainstream media overall. Sabrina Ionescu took up a lot of air when it comes from her draft class, uh, when it came to last season, etc., etc. I don't think it's unwarranted, but yes, we know that there are media darlings, that there are league darlings. That's how it works. Um, I've also talked about how they overwhelmingly are uh, white players, but that's another conversation for another Thursday, perhaps. Anyway, so with UNESCO, you, you know, she kind of got caught up in in some of those stereotypes that uh, surround coverage of the WNBA. Um, But what also happened is that players that deserved a fair shot and to be a part of the conversation in Rookie of the Year at the start of the season probably didn't get that opportunity. So you're thinking Kennedy Carter. Uh, I think Satsu Sabali has always been there. Julie Alamont for Indiana Another great player uh, that I don't think anyone was talking about as the season began. She has been uh, consistent for that Indiana team uh, with her shooting ability, with her ability to facilitate as a rookie. So yeah, absolutely should be talked about as Rookie of the Year. Kennedy Carter, I really didn't know what to make of Kennedy Carter. Unfortunately, I'm not able to watch the college game all that much, um, but seeing Kennedy, oh yeah, the real deal. For sure. And so if you go back to what Enrique does uh, for Dallas, Kennedy does that for Atlanta. And absolutely, Kennedy Carter should be in the mix, in the top four, for sure, when it comes to Rookie of the Year. She also missed some time. Satu missed time. Kennedy missed time. But I don't think that that should eliminate them from the conversation. But here's what's probably going to happen. You're going to have some people that are going to look at what Crystal Dangerfield did, what even a Julie Alimon do, has been able to do, and they haven't missed time. And some people are going to gravitate towards that. Other people are going to gravitate towards just how dynamic a player like Kennedy Carter and Satu Sabali can be for a team, regardless of if they're missing time or not. So it's tough. I think there is a definitely going to be a difference of opinion when it comes to Rookie of the Year voting. I don't get a vote, unfortunately, so I'm literally just a talking head in this situation. I don't have um, a clear-cut pick, 
right now. Julie Lemon, I don't think is going to get as many votes as she deserves. Um, but she absolutely should be in conversation. Um, I just saw this really interesting quote here. Um, or it's a tweet, actually. And since I was talking about Atlanta, I want to read it. It just popped up. But uh, women's basketball 24-7. I'm rooting for uh, Ka Copper for most improved player. Currently averaging 15.4 points, up from 6.7 in 2019. Name a more improved player. I'll wait. I want to get into this next Tuesday. Most improved player. I've been really pushing hard for Bria Hartley, but unfortunately she is done for the season. So... Uh, women's basketball 24-7 is going with Ka Copper, uh, who just celebrated her birthday, so happy belated. Um, and Chris Sanko, who's with the Atlanta Dream, general manager. No need to wait. Benazia Laney, cut from Indy a few weeks before Wubble, averaged 5.6 points last year and 5.3 for a career, now starts for the Atlanta Dream and averages 16.4 points per game. No contest, exclamation point. Oh, baby. So you know what we're going to do. We're definitely going to talk about that next week. But we're going to close out the show with the one, the only, Courtney Vandersloot, Slooty, Vander, the, you know, one part of Vander Quiggs. And she gets the record for most assists in a single game for not just for the Chicago Sky, excuse me, but that's a WNBA record. I, I misspoke in an earlier segment. Uh, so let's hear, let's hear Slooty talk about it. Congrats, Slooty. I thought you'd be wearing the 2020 Slute Quigley shirt tonight since uh, she hit the, the shot to get you the record. I should be. I should be. What, what does it mean to, to, I mean, you've been on the doorstep of this record many times. What does it mean to finally hold the assist record for a single game? Uh, this one feels good because... Um, I absolutely thought this record was untouchable. Um, shout out to Tisha for setting this one. It's, she set the bar very, very high. Um, I don't think that this one is going to be touched um, very often. Uh, it's, it's tough to get 16 assists in a game. So um, this one is really special. Uh, my teammates were knocking down shots, and um, you know they were just as happy as I was. It makes it so much more enjoyable for me out there. And because you know I love the Wubble Tea, I always try to give you the Wubble Tea. I gave you some Wubble Tea live. Was not expecting that. I gave you some live Wubble Tea. That's right. That's what we do here on Locked on Women's Basketball. We are so locked on women's basketball that we give you live updates as we record our podcast. But here is a little more Wubble Tea for your Tuesday. This is what Gabby Williams had to say about the point god. Okay, that's a little bit of stank we're putting on it. So not point guard, but point god. Okay, here's what she had to say about that nickname. I know I'm so I'm so happy for her because I know I think she's gotten it three times now, 15, uh, and so special that the last two were to Allie. Uh, but she, I mean, just the way that she reads the floor. Like I know if I cut, I know she's gonna see me. I know if I run the floor, I know she's gonna see me. And I think she's the only point guard in the country that you can say that about. Uh, and I don't want anybody else calling their point guard a point god because we have we have the one is there only one point god is it courtney vandersloot i mentioned last week on an episode courtney vandersloot definitely in conversation for mvp do you remember 
tweet at locked on WBB if you can remember who is the last true guard to win MVP in the WNBA. Not a, a forward guard mix, not a hybrid, not a positionless player. Who was the last guard? God. I'm having fun, y'all. Once you having fun. Anyway, who was the last point guard to win most valuable player in the WNBA? Tweet at LockedOnWBB to let us know. I'm going to give you the rundown of the games that we have coming up uh, from today through Thursday. Um, so you know what who you can watch and where you can watch. And there's some big matchups coming up. Today, Tuesday, September 1st, you have the Connecticut Sun and the New York Liberty starting off with a 7 p.m. game. One hour later, Indiana Fever and Atlanta Dream. So Indiana is really looking to rack up wins because they want to be able to fight for that eight spot with the Dallas Wings. We'll get to Dallas and their schedule in a little bit. The 10 p.m. game, the Phoenix Mercury versus the Las Vegas Aces. The Aces have already clinched, but if Phoenix wants to show that they're a real contender, they have to play well against these top teams. On Wednesday, September 2nd, this is a big one. The Minnesota Lynx versus the Chicago Sky. Both teams really anticipating this matchup. The Los Angeles Sparks versus the Dallas Wings. The Dallas Wings will have to play top contending teams the rest of the way out. And this is a team that's still building and growing. That's going to be a, a big one. That's Wednesday at 8 p.m. And then at 10 p.m., the Washington Mystics, who've been struggling mightily, have been bit hard by the injury bug. They are taking on the Seattle Storm. By the time I'm back with you on Thursday, we'll be getting ready for the Atlanta Dream versus the New York Liberty, the Las Vegas Aces and the Connecticut Sun. Connecticut really looking uh, to do some things in the middle of the pack. And then the Indiana Fever and the Phoenix Mercury. As always, make sure you are following us on social media. Again, that is at LockedOnWBB. Locked on WBB on Twitter. I put out a question. Let us know. Reply to Locked on WBB once this episode goes out. Who was the last point guard to win MVP? If you're if you're a loyal listener, you should get this. No problem. Another hint. I believe CBS just did a nice little feature on this particular WNBA champion. Multiple time over. That's all you get. Listen to the show. It's on there. I am Erica. I will be back with you on Thursday to talk about social justice. This is going to be a big one. We're going to recap some of what happened for the reflection, the days of reflection. And then I'm also going to hop into what the WNBA has recommitted to when it comes to voting in particular. Always a pleasure. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'll see you on Thursday. Bye.